Buon mattina tutti. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy. That means good morning. We're recording in the morning, so we are not drinking Aperol Spritz or Vino Nobile. Just um, cappuccino made with lavazza. Si. Sticking to our Italian brand. <laughs> Welcome to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italian. And this is episode numero... Cinquanta cinque, see? Fifty-five. Fifty-five. And this episode is going to make Tommaso very, very happy. Every episode makes me happy. Oh, that's sweet to say, but this one legitimately... food, yes, exactly. much better, yes. We're going to talk about the cuisine and wine from the region of Puglia. And who does not love talking about la cucina italiana? And that directly translates to Italian cuisine. They don't actually have a word for cuisine. They use the word cucina, which means kitchen, Kitchen, as everyone knows. And I find that kind of endearing because Italian life evolves around the kitchen completely. So the fact there is no specific word for cuisine is interesting. It's around the kitchen. As well it should. <laughs> There's many reasons to visit Puglia for sure, but this episode is going to trigger your taste buds. And then the next episode will be more about the various provinces and places to visit within Puglia. But this one, it's all about the food. Are you ready? Certo. <laughs> Let's rock. Let's eat. <laughs> we can record, then it'll be lunchtime. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. We don't have the ingredients that would be necessary to make an Italian, uh, a Puglian lunch okay all right instead let's start with this the best part the nickname of puglia is the bread basket of italy yes they have the best bread in all of italy and some say in one specific town it's the best bread in the world but you know the french will say they have the best bread in all of europe you name it everyone's got their claim to fame but italian bread is delicioso and the puglian bread is my absolute favorite. You were there last year. Yes, yes. Loved it everywhere we went. Mm -hmm. So many varieties, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll get into the bread later. All righty. The region of Puglia, as you know, is the bottom of the country, the heel and the boot of Italy, and it's surrounded by water. The Adriatic Sea to the east, Ionian Sea to the west. So clearly, seafood plays a very big role in their cuisine. However, Puglia is also the least mountainous region, so it has flat plains, therefore a lot of agricultural farms, with plenty of sunshine and very, very fertile soil. So that results in an abundance of vegetables, my favorite, <laughs> and a lot of durum wheat they grow, so therefore the unique taste of the bread and the pasta. And whatever is in this fertile soil, it makes the vegetables and fruits have so much more flavor. And I hate to say this, no offense to the central and northern parts of Italy, but I think everything down there is more flavorful. Like, remember the tomatoes? Yes. Like, one bite of a tomato was unlike any other tomato you've ever had. I just have a really good idea. I think we need to just spend three months and sample all the way. <laughs> the only way we're really going to get a proper taste test. Of everything or just tomatoes? Just the whole, everything, all the way <laughs> from the, from the heel of oh, I see. To, to the Dolomites. Okay, there you can 
be the judge. Let's start a GoFundMe. Send us to grow. <laughs> Let's send us to Italy for three months. <laughs> Why just three months? Let's just move. Anyway, just kidding. All right. So the fruits and vegetables, super tasteful. It's like literally when you eat a tomato, as I just started to say, in Italy, you take that first bite and it's like this explosion of taste that we just don't get here. And it's no one's fault. Well, kind of, but there's <laughs> DeSantos and everybody else, hydroponic stuff. Their soil is fertile. They have sunshine all day long. It's a dry, hot climate. And then it's tempered with the breeze from both seas on either side. So it's like the perfect recipe to be able to grow these super tasteful fruits and vegetables. And I will say that we have friends here have very green thumbs and they have incredible gardens. They grow tomatoes, vegetables, zucchini, lettuce, corn, you name it. And obviously here on this little island, they do it. So it's all organic and it's delicious without a doubt. These fruits and vegetables from Puglia just have their own little distinct flavor. For those that can't have their own garden or have no green thumbs like us, and I'm even the granddaughter of a farmer. Yes, you are. (laughs) I I missed that DNA somewhere. You can barely somewhere. keep a houseplant alive. <laughs> <laughs> truth, truth. Very, very true. <laughs> For those of you that can't have your own garden, we have to buy our things here in America, our fruits and vegetables. And it's super disappointing because most of the time a, a tomato doesn't even have any flavor. So that's the beauty of living in a place where... They have all this kind of organic foods and it's a, it's a countrywide. It's a countrywide cultural. It's embedded in the culture. They're just, this is what they do. Yes. They're not going to use pesticides and. Well, they do to a point, but I will say that 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the Italian government banned the worst of the pesticides. And with that, boom, the flavor came back and, you know, the foods we eat here that we buy in a grocery store are grown with significantly more amount of crap in it. Right. Hence no flavor. Anyway, so... Well, that's not necessarily flavor, but... It all adds to it, yes. correct? Yes, they grow faster, hurry up and grow, and the... Gr- exactly. These little mini tomatoes and cucumbers you get, they're like, yeah, they're put on super speed so that they can sell them and they have zero flavor. Right. And they, they think they're cute for appetizers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, speaking of just the pesticide thing for a second, I did a little research on that. Do you know which country has the most pesticides in the world? I'm going to guess China. And Excellent. Excellent. China, number one. United States, number two. Wow. Anyway, so let's just go back to the food in Puglia. Okay. All right. Let me say, when you have, and still kind of on the tomato subject, when you have your very first bite of a caprese salad, let's say especially in Capri or in Puglia, anywhere, when you have the first bite, you have that combination of the best tasting tomato you've ever had, that olive oil, mozzarella, basil. Oh my God. And you take that bite and you're like, unlike anything I've ever had, close your eyes and you just think, I want to stay right here and eat this every day of my life. Forever. (laughs) Forever. You would never tire of it. You would never leave. You just right then and there want to move to Italy. Forever, And then on top of that, if you like added a piece of Puglian bread to that, a glass of wine, like La Dolce Vita right there. Who needs to leave? Certo? Please stop. I, I, I really. 
I just had a very small breakfast, and um, my taste buds are taste buds are waking up right now. Oh my gosh! Okay, so back to the farming. They grow so many vegetables in Puglia that they're basically the cornerstone of the cuisine. And historically, Puglia was such a poor region for hundreds and hundreds of years with a very hot climate, so they couldn't actually afford meat. They couldn't afford to purchase farm animals to raise, to slaughter, to eat. So it's a very vegetarian-centric cuisine, which is just perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Not so much for the animal kingdom people <laughs> no, like myself. There's some. I'm going to yes, list. Yes, yes, there are. I'm going to list a few. Because of the plethora of these vegetables, antipasto in Puglia is like da morire, to die for. It's my dream meal down there. So an, a typical antipasto in Puglia includes grilled melanzana, uh, eggplant, zucchini, a lot of chicory. You may not think you like chicory, but they saute it quickly in that olive oil, and it's so good. You like spinach. This has just yes. more kick to it. It's delicious. A lot of these big uh, cherry tomatoes that they roast and they smash with the garlic and the olive oil. It's just the best antipasto. And then... They have something down there in Puglia that I had never seen up north. It's called, this is a tongue twister, sformato. S-F is how that word starts. S-F-O-R-M-A-T-O. Sformato. Sformato. (laughs) That was a good try. (laughs) Anyway, this sformato is similar to like a, you would love it. It's like kind of like a potato croquette, but inside... They add some cheese, of course, a little chicory vegetable, and it's very light and it's small. So when you bite into it, it doesn't taste like a fried dough bomb. You know, it's just like tasty. Lighty, light. Lighty, light. (laughs) Keep in mind, every single food, every single dish, everything down in Puglia is prepared or cooked, sauteed, baked, whatever, with that Puglian olive oil which everyone knows is the best in the world, except for maybe the Greeks, of course, who claim theirs is the best globally. And, and of course, our friend Laurent yesterday, oh. we went sailing with our friends Lisa and Laurent, and Laurent is from Provence. Yes. And he, he looked at us sideways when we said it was the best olive oil. Well, they listened to the podcast, and uh, Lisa said, what's your next episode on? I was like, actually, we're talking about the cuisine of Puglia, and they have never been. He's lived in Italy many all times Italy, yeah. all over the world really but he's like i've never been how can you say it's the best and with that he goes mm-hmm. <laughs> provence <laughs> the oil from provence is better i can't do imitations and i'm not trying to but no. it was very cute the, the the bottom line is everyone's got their favorites and you know there's so much great food in the world that yes what you're brought up on is embedded in your taste buds. Right. And this is a podcast on Italy, not Provence. And Americans, <laughs> we think mac and cheese is just great. No. <laughs> Let me go on about the vegetables for just one more second. This is this is very carina, very cute. There's a village called Corigliano di Otranto. Not an easy name to say, but anyway, it's down in Puglia. And the government, the local officials there, passed an ordinance that protects a certain type of pea grown in that village. Seriously, a pea, piselli. That's the word for pea or peas. So it's called piselli nano di zolino. And they're much larger than our normal peas that we're accustomed to. They're almost a darker greenish, brownish color. Delicious, right? But 
they are now protected. So remember our previous episode about the Amalfi Coast and Napoli in particular? The pizza protection? Yes. So this pea is similar to that. It is protected. And Italians do this for their culinary traditions. They give an accreditation that protects the heritage and the specialties of the region or wherever. And it guarantees, this is the most important part, I think, it guarantees the quality and standards of how it's made or grown. That's amazing. So the initials of this accreditation are DOP. And in English, that translates to Protected Designation of Origin. Very interesting. We're talking about this at a dinner party uh, Saturday night. And a woman that had lived in Florence said, oh, yeah, destination of origin. It's so so important and such an honor and such a tradition of Italians. Well, I think it's really interesting that a, a country like Italy, where food is so deeply embedded, they'll step out to protect exactly the something like a pea from large agribusiness, <laughs> right? Yes. So that, you know, you're not selling these <clears throat> peas the size of limes that have no flavor mm-hmm. because they're growing fast in a hothouse or something. Right. Anyway, so the most well-known DOPs, as we'll call them, that most of you have heard of are, for example, Parma, ham from Parma, mozzarella da bufalo, aceto balsamic, balsamic vinegar, aceto balsamico, tomatoes San Marzano. You know how you see those in grocery stores and they're really expensive? Yes. That's why. Yes. They're delicious. Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And even, this is my favorite, even basilico, basil from Liguria, where Pesto Genovese comes from. So those are just a few examples of DOPs. And you know what I was thinking? It could be like an awesome idea for a road trip. Go from one DOP to the next. Just drive from place to place to place to all the DOPs. You would be happy. Parma ham. Oh, Parmigiano. Yes. (laughs) Just an idea. Mozzarella de Buffalo. Yes. And then we'll go to Puglia and to the place of the peas. Okay. Because you like peas, too. I do like peas. I oh love God, peas. This is a perfect idea for a road trip. All righty. So. Anybody want to go on a DOP trip with us? <laughs> okay. Back to the other dishes of Puglia. The most popular dish. Guess what? It's a pasta. Grazie Dio. Orecchetti con cima di rape. So that means the orecchetti shape that you all know, the small little ear shape, which, by the way, has been made since the 1500s. Right. Isn't that you see those women sitting in the, in the, on the side, they, they become a new sort of phenomenon down in... Bari. 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 The nonnas, the yes. grandmothers, sit yes. outside. They had always done it, but now it is kind of like a little tourist attraction. But they're still cute and funny and, you know, they get you to buy their pasta and who wouldn't, but obviously you need a place to stay where you can cook it. Right. So... If you're in a hotel, not so much, but it's cute, but it's definitely kind of a stick. Yeah, but it's a cute stick. Yes. Well said. All right. This most popular dish of Puglia, the orecchetti con cime di rape, the ingredients of this most popular Puglian pasta. How's that? Puglian pasta. <laughs> popular Puglian pasta. Orecchetti con cime di rape is the pasta shape we just discussed. Of course, there's the requisite garlic, olive oil, red chili flakes, anchovies, turnip tops, kind of like a broccoli rabe type bitter leafy green, and molto importante, Tommaso, pecorino, non parmigiano, only pecorino. 
And I love that they stick to those little rules, okay? If you have this in Puglia next time, you're eating it with Pecorino. He much prefers Parmigiano. Tomas is going to have a private stash in his jacket. (laughs) Okay, so the seafood pastas in Puglia are a plenty as well. Linguini idatteri has razor clams and the usual garlic, oregano, parsley, white wine, etc. But funny enough, the name datteri means dates. So I think they throw in a little chopped up date for a tad of sweetness in it. Another very popular seafood dish is called linguini cartoccio. And this has, it's kind of like a boule base. That's the word I was thinking of. Uh, Everything in it, but it's not a soup. But it has squid, shrimp, mussels, all kinds of things from the sea. And then they add a tomato puree with all the other olive oil, herbs, etc. The difference is once they add the linguine to this seafood tomato puree sauce, then it goes into a baking dish for only like five minutes, but they cover it with cartocho, which means aluminum foil, like Reynolds wrap. And I thought, (laughs) (laughs) you have such beautiful names, but this one is basically linguine with Reynolds wrap. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't have a better name on that one, but that, that's actually what I have after 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 a dinner party the next day because it's we co- generally cover the bowl with Reynolds wrap for the leftovers. So that's oh, yeah. what I have. Okay, well you don't bake it. No, I'm not but, a fan of baked pasta. Like there's a lot of recipes in Central uh, Tuscan area that have baked pasta. I'm not a fan, but this one only is baked for a few minutes, so we could give it a try. And then another dish without pasta, seafood heavy, is cozze ripiene. So cozze are mussels, like we have here, the black-shelled mussels, but they're larger. Right. I think that when we talked about this the other day, when you told me what you were going to do for the episode, I went and researched it because I was like, mussels, how can you stuff a mussel? Because we're used to these... <laughs> We're used to these little mussels, you know, but right. I remember when we were in, we were in Monopoly. Yes. We, uh, we had that large. You had Zupa di, uh, Zupa di Mare. Yeah, and we ordered two of them. Thinking it was individual. And it was enough for like 40 people. <laughs> but the, the mussels in that were like the size of, of, of a good, a large, large oyster. I mean, it wasn't a typical little mussel we get here. Exactly. So they stuff them with cheese, of course. Sounds weird, right? Oh, lunch is coming soon. <laughs> no. uh, they stuff them with a cheese and breadcrumbs and some herbs and then simmer them. And that's how they cook them in a tomato sauce. So it's actually very attractive. But yes, you're right. They're very, very large. So now for the meat lovers in the group. I love this name. Bombette. Like a bomb. Bombette. <laughs> Bombette. Meat bomb. Right? Sounds like a... Isn't it great? Sounds like a sub you're getting from... Ew. From, <laughs> from the meat bomb. A lo- bom- large hoagie. Bombette. <laughs> it's just like it sounds. It's a bomb of pork meat, but they flatten the pork meat out and then they put on top caucho cavallo cheese, which I'll describe in a minute because that is funny. And then they add salami. So you've got this flattened pork, then caucho cavalli cheese, and then salami because there's just not enough meat yet. Some other little herbs and spices, whatever. <laughs> and then they roll it. And I think they tie it up kind of or skewer it or something like that. And then they grill it. And there's parsley on top. It's actually kind of pretty. 
but it's uh, it's kind of like a Danish meat bomb. You know how they add so many different meats to their dishes. So this one comes from the village of Elberrobello. So it's called Bombette di Elberrobello. And you can try it next time you're there in a colder month, I think, because it doesn't sound like something you want to eat in 90 degree weather. No, no. <laughs> so that caucho cavale cheese I just mentioned yes. has a funny name because... Caucho is cheese, as you know, like caucho e pepe. But cavallo means horse. And obviously, you cannot milk a horse. For those of you who don't know, you cannot milk a horse, okay. right? So why they chose this name, I'm not quite sure. But it's obviously made from a cow's milk, but a specific cow called potolico. And these potolico cows eat primarily herbs. So think of that. Instead of having a cheese from a cow that eats hay, they are eating herbs. So their milk, obviously, is going to have a lot more flavor. Flavor. And another funny thing about these Potolico cows is that they only produce milk and a very small amount of milk during certain times of the years. Very particular. Very particular. And odd. And and odd. What happens the other time of the year? Just hang out. Caucho cavale da morire. And also, I have to say... That last night, before I went to bed, scrolling through Instagram, and was it karma? I think so, because all of a sudden I see a video of Caucho Cavale from Puglia, and they held it over like an open flame, like a barbecue, and they held it, cut it in half. It's like a ball shape with a hard, waxy coating on it. So they cut it in half, and they got it to melt. And then he held it over someone's hand that had a piece of bread, and took a wooden knife and scraped it off, just oh, like see. just like raclette, raclette in, in Switzerland. Switzerland. Yes, and I thought interesting. I, I Same saw, concept, yes, but different. You know, this is herby. Raclette is so like full of. To me, it feels like it's full of wine and it's light. Cheese, so cheese bomb, something to try for sure. Sure. Now the other famous Puglian cheese is another favorite. Burrata. Oh. <laughs> and oh. you all know that is just like biting into heaven, oh. right? It's so damn delicious that you actually don't need to eat it with anything, but they do normally. They just smash it on your plate and off to the side, you have a little piece of Puglian bread, a couple of those cherry tomatoes I mentioned, drips of olive oil, and it is just delicioso. To die for. Yes. And you don't need much. It's so filling. It's uh, not filling. It's rich, but delicious. Alora, let's get into the pasta. It's made with the durum wheat, durum wheat semolina that grows all over the land in Puglia. And the difference is no eggs. Just like when our friend Paolo, the Tuscan chef, was here in March, he showed, and Tom made it with him, pasta without eggs. So I'm sure in my life I had that, not knowing it. I had no idea you could make a pasta without eggs. The one he made for us was called peachy. Remember? Yep. Simple, delicious. So most of the time in Puglia, the pasta has no eggs. And I didn't know that. And we must have eaten 40 pastas in Puglia. Yes. Had no idea. Did you know, do you know the reason why it has no eggs? It's because, is it because they had no chickens to lay the eggs? Interesting. I have, I didn't read that. I didn't research that. I just was going through the the region's specialties and their pasta just doesn't have eggs. So it could be. Hmm. We should have researched this and figured out. Maybe we'll add a addendum on our next episode. Coming in. Yes. Talking about the pasta with no eggs. 
<laughs> so all the nonas, like you were just saying, in Bari, they roll the pasta into so many shapes. And that's what I think is interesting about Puglia. There's a million different shapes and they're crude. You know, they're not fancy. They're crude. And these nonas, always a nona. I've never really seen a nono, a, fa- a man, do it as much. I'm sure they do, obviously, in their companies. But out on the streets. Clock. Closeted posture maker. <laughs> so they make so many different shapes and they can be like long twisted strands or these teeny kind of half curled shapes that they do in a second, like one little turn of their hand and boom. Without looking. Yeah, kind of. And it's like so repetitive. It's just muscle memory or something. But I will say that their thumbs play a very big role. Their thumb and their thumbnail. They roll with the palm of their hand and then boom, their thumb just breaks off a piece of the strand and flips it somehow. And then she pushes it to the side and there's this crude looking shape, but it's consistent. Every single one is the same. And is it delicious? See. Very interesting. Now there's a pastry also that's called pasticciotto. It's very famous and it comes from Lecce. Lecce is the capital of Puglia. And to me, this pasticciotto looks like, visualize this, like a corn muffin, what we know of corn muffin, but it's oval shaped. So if you look at it from the side, it's kind of like a big old tugboat type thing. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound pretty, but it is. It's very famous and it's made of this short crust pastry and filled with a custard. And in more recent years, you can get them filled with Nutella. Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) And so it's like a brownish color. It's not the pretty like corn muffin color. Oh, I know. I have, I have to say one thing. One of our, one of our friends from Europe, Lars is considers Nutella to be a whole food, different food group. (laughs) So Lars, if you're listening, yeah, he thinks it, yeah, he thinks it's in the vegetable category. (laughs) He thinks it's good for him. (laughs) And personally, I'm not a fan of any kind of custardy thing, or I don't like cannolis. I don't like creamy custardy things. Mm. So I've never had one. Oh, that's too bad. (laughs) Well, I'm just sharing what is the most famous pastry of Puglia, pasticciotto, but I can't attest to its deliciousness because I've never had one. Next time we go, you can have it and let me know how it goes. But you don't have to have the Nutella one. No, no. Okay. Okay. So let's chat pane, bread. And it's all about the pane in Puglia. There's a lot of peas in in this in this episode. You need a pop filter for the Puglian pop peas pane. Pane in Puglia. Pane popolare in Puglia. (laughs) All right. So another admission here. I am not a baker at all. You're about as good a baker as you are a houseplant maker. (laughs) Houseplant keeper. Houseplant keeper. Sorry. Yes. Anyway, so I cannot bake. Anything, so I don't really understand why you do bake Ghirardelli brownies very well. Thank you, but that comes from a box Ghirardelli. That's okay. Yeah, they're good. So I'm not really sure why the bread in Puglia is so much better than the rest of the country, but they say it's because it has these small holes due to the dough being stretched and folded at many intervals throughout this whole bread making pasta. So my logic is. Why wouldn't the rest of Italy do it? Maybe it's because they just keep to their regional recipes and they're proud of them. Sure, why not? But the bread in Puglia is just 
in my opinion, the best. And when we started this episode, I mentioned that the nickname is of Puglia is the breadbasket of Italy. My favorite part about this is in 2018, I escorted my first group of people to Italy and it was in the northern regions, Lago Maggiore, Lago di Como, the mountains up by Switzerland. And there was a woman in this trip, her name's Bridget. So I gave her the nickname Brigitta. She loves bread more than anything in the world. So throughout this whole 10-day trip up north, she ate bread anywhere she found it, even like for a bathroom break in a coffee shop. (laughs) (laughs) She'd say, can you ask them if I can have that piece of bread? I mean, it was ridiculous. It was awesome. So her nickname became Bread Basket Bridget. (laughs) (laughs) And then this is the best part. So the next year I planned a trip for them because they were going to Puglia in 2019 for a wedding of oh, a relative. A wedding, right. right. So I said, Bridget, do you realize that Puglia has the best bread in all of Italy? And I could like hear her starting to tear up over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> she was getting all weepy. So excited. She's like, really? I was like, research it. So I told her to, and then she's texting me every day before they go like, oh my God, I can't wait. I'm going to go to Ostuni. I'm going to go to Altamura, blah, blah. And she wanted to take a bread tour. <laughs> and her husband's like, we're there for a wedding. <laughs> she's like, I'll be late. <laughs> <laughs> so I planned this trip for them. They went, and then she sent me texts via WhatsApp, uh, photos via WhatsApp every day, every day, all day, everywhere of her bread basket. She always asked for the basket to put in the photo. (laughs) It was so cute. And there's so many kinds of bread in Puglia, so many varieties. So I'll just list a few. Pizzi, P-I-Z-Z-I, or sometimes it's called Puccia. There's another P. Yes. (laughs) Pizzi of Puglia. And the nickname of that is Puccia. So Puccia di Puglia. It has some olives and tomatoes in it, but it's not like focaccia. So the focaccia that all of you know is delicious, but in Puglia, it's lighter. I don't know why or how they do it, but it's definitely lighter. And they use those large round cherry tomatoes, not the oblong ones that we get here. They're round. They're like Campari. No, not that big. Oh. There's there's so many brands. There's so many types of tomatoes as well. So no, they're smaller than Campari. And they roast them in gobs of Puglian olive oil with some rosemary, et cetera. And then they have the sea salt on it. They also add whatever else they want to their focaccia. And it is light and absolutely like also bursting with flavor, but like that top crust is crunchy, oily. And then it's light after that. It's it's very different from other focaccia and it doesn't fill you up like the other ones do. Another type of bread is called frisella salentina, and this is very popular, and it's a dry, crunchy bread that you can use for bruschetta or in a salad that's very popular all throughout Italy called panzanella, and that salad just has big chunks of cucumber and tomatoes, some vinegar, and this dried frisella salentina, which sounds weird. It's like you're eating a crouton but it's not hard like a crouton. It's Hmm. very good. So then there's my weakness, tarali. It's not specifically a bread. 
it's like a breadstick that they bake, but before they bake it, they roll it into this ring shape and it literally has four ingredients. We looked at the package we have here from Puglia. Wheat, olive oil, salt, and white wine. That's it. And oh my God, it's like popcorn. I cannot eat just one. They're so good. So that's my personal favorite, even though it's not a bread. And they serve them with antipasto. So to be honest, uh, Aperol Spritz and Tarali is like, who needs more in life than that? (laughs) Okay. So the bread that I mentioned earlier that some people say is the best in the entire world is made in the village of Alta Mura. Those two words, Alta Mura, mean high walls. And indeed, the village has some very high walls, as a lot of them do. So what makes this bread stand apart is that the durum wheat is cultivated right there in the village, you know, confines of Altamura. So maybe it's something special in the sauce. I don't know. But it's also unique in shape. It's really large and round and has a very thick external crust. But when you break through that crust, here's like where the dream part comes in. You break through this crust and all of a sudden it's so light and fluffy inside. You dip a piece of that into a little olive oil. You're like, oh. So you did have this down in Puglia when we were in Ostuni that night for dinner, like that five-course meal. Okay. Yes, you did. Okay. And we all were like speechless. Okay. Because Altamora was close to where we were. So they maybe begrudgingly served it in Ostuni. I'm not sure, but they're proud of it. Oh, I was that little, that yes. little, little, little place in yes. Ostuni. Yes, with the owners, made us everything and yes. served us. Yes, because yes. there was nobody else there and we got the we got the yes. full-on treatment. And that's where we had the bread from Altamura. Yes, yes. This bread, speaking of our DOP status, was also granted this accreditation 20 years ago. And here's the kicker. There's almost one thousand varieties of bread in Italy, almost a thousand. And Altamura bread is the only one protected with this DOP. Wow. Isn't that cool? Wow. Yes. There are are a thousand. Almost a thousand types of bread. And that would include focaccia. That would include the equivalent of a, you know, they don't have, they don't call it a baguette, but you know what I mean? Sure. All types of sizes, shapes, almost a thousand. Only the bread of Altamura has a DOP. Okay. Now, with all the savory food we were just describing, you need a savory wine, which Puglia has in spades. So, as I mentioned in a previous episode on the Amalfi Coast, which is in the region of Campania, the vintners of Campania say that they think their wine is so good because of the soil that may have the leftover volcanic ash, the mountainous terrain, and the salt air. So, Puglia is the opposite of that. They do have a teeny bit of mountains in the middle there, but low, low, low mountains. And they grow their vineyards everywhere on the flat part, on the smaller mountains. But what makes it also very delicious is that the rich minerals in that soil, which make it that super earthen color I described in a previous episode, it's almost like this dark brown, red maroon color. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. It's almost like a burnt orange, really. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. You saw it mm-hmm. under all the olive trees. Yep. So there's a lot of minerals in the soil. And then you combine that with this hot and dry climate. And then it's tempered again by the breezes from the seas on both sides. And it makes just like the perfect recipe for expressive wine. Expressive wines. As a sommelier would call it. 
Mm-hmm. Bold and rich, but expressive mm-hmm. is the key word, key adjective, I should say, for Puglian red wine. And red wines are the staple in Puglia. They are their bread and butter. Fruity, full-bodied, expressive, and delicious. Like, I love, love, love Puglian wine. And funny enough, red wine is more popular than white, and it's so hot there. Right, right, one would think. But they prefer the red. They're used to it. They like it better. They do make white wines, but the red is their go-to. Even with seafood? Yes, yes. So the most popular reds are the Primitivo and the Negromaro. Negromaro, those two words mean black and bitter, and that's a really deep, dark color. But the Primitivo is grown in different areas of Puglia, all over the region. But the most powerful grape is in the province of Taranto on the Ionian Sea. But the Primitivo is also grown up closer to Bari, so that's the Adriatic Sea. So you never know, it's a slightly different taste, and they say so on the label like where it's grown. So you can, if you're an expert, a sommelier, you can totally tell the difference. So the Negro Romaro is very dark in color, like I mentioned, but funny enough, they make rosé from it. All that rosé, we primarily had rosé with seafood. Right. Like that first night, the Zuppa di, di Mare. Yes. We all drank rosé. So they make it from this dark red grape. Huh. And it was delicious, remember? Everything was delicious, yes. yes. Separating one from the other is very difficult. (laughs) A few other very tasty varieties of red are called, just so you know, for your future travels to what to ask for, Nero di Troia, Bombino Nero, cute Bombino word, kind of like Bombette, Malvasia Nera, and Susu Maniello. So we had a lot of this Susu Maniello, which is kind of a tongue twister word and kind of funny, so... Once I got used to it, maybe after I had a glass of it, it was easier to say. (laughs) It's always, I speak nine languages after I've had a little wine. (laughs) Susu Maniello. That was really, really delicious. A teeny bit lighter than some of the others. So the best white wines in the region are grown mostly in the central and northern parts of Puglia. And they also have good names. Bombino Bianco. Bianco means white. A white bomb, Viano, Verdecca, and Greco Viano. And that apparently goes back 2,500 years to the Greek origins because, you know, the Greeks were there right. first and y- you name it. But we also had white wine and I thought it was excellent. And we were only there, I was there in, yeah, late October, early November, and then you guys came. So it was still warm, but I think when it's hot, 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 you'd probably just go for the white wines or the rosés. But we did have some, and I thought they were all really, really good. Alora, I was going to give, you know, five or ten minutes into the olive oil situation here. But as Tom's looking at the clock, I think I need to start the next episode with it because there's so much to say about Puglian olive oil. The vastness of the olive orchards, let's not even talk about the taste yet. It takes up most of the region, the history of these trees. There are Thousands of years old, literally, I'm not exaggerating. And as we mentioned in our previous episodes on our Kitten Club trip, no one is really sure, but they estimate between 60 and 150 million olive trees are in Puglia. That's you're just You're just number. staring at me. That's an astounding <laughs> Like number. you haven't heard that before. No. You're forgetting our episode from Puglia. It is astounding. 
And there is so many of these family-run olive factories, for lack of a better word, fatarias, olive orchard farms. We went to one in Puglia. And it's when I said that vegetables were the cornerstone of the Puglian cuisine, olive oil is the number one common denominator in the entire country. Every single household eats olive oil every single day. It is the most influential thing in Italian cuisine and in, in Italian life, basically, because it's all about la cucina italiana. It's funny that it's oil would be the glue that holds Italy together. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very good. So let's do that. We'll start the next episode on the olive oil because it's just too much to say in two minutes here. And then I will go into where to go to these incredible villages. They're all distinct, unique, totally different from the rest of Italy because of all the influence from Greeks and Turkish rule. And they don't look anything like Italy when you're driving around, right? It's such a different visual. You drive on these flat plains, all you see is olive orchards, olive trees forever. And then up high, which they built on like a man-made hill, a fortress walled city that's either all white or all, you know, gray and Moorish influence. It's just awesome, Puglia. I find it just amazing. Allora. <laughs> Allora, before I sign off, I just want to throw out a travel tip. I was thinking of this this morning in that I have a lot of people leaving some yesterday, some tomorrow for Italy. It's very crowded. I've said it many times in the last episodes. And I know this because I've just been dealing with all the, um, you know, people I work with in Italy from the hospitality industry and boat, boat drivers, boat owners, drivers, you name it. And they're grateful for the work, but they're molto stanco, very tired. It, it's just very, very crowded. So my travel tip suggestion to anyone going to Italy soon, when you walk into a restaurant or when you walk into your hotel, when you enter anything, just smile and say, buongiorno. Just give them that little teeny, like, here I am greeting you in your language with a smile and they will be grateful because I think they're tired. And if a tourist from any country just walked in and says, do you have a table for three? Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? So that's my my suggestion to let them know that you you you're there for them and they they'll be there for you. Good point. Okay. So once again, we want to thank every single person for every review, email, Instagram message. It's fun to get them, fun to read. I've made little friends that I'll probably never meet, but it's been awesome and we really appreciate it. And speaking of that, if you're not following Kimberly's Italy on Instagram, please do, or on Facebook, Kimberly's Italy Podcast. It's very important. We're going to have new things coming out in the future. We want you, our loyal listeners, to be the first to hear about these things. Now that you say this, I think I need to mention this. I got a couple of Instagram direct messages from people that are inquiring for me to plan a trip for them, and they got in touch through Instagram and said, what's the best way to get in touch with you? I thought, okay, maybe I'm not making that clear. Everything is the same name, Kimberly'sItaly.com, Kimberly's Italy on Instagram, Facebook, and my email address is Kim at Kimberly'sItaly.com. So same name, best way to get in touch for any kind of inquiry about trip planning is through my email. Good old fashioned email. Right? Imagine that. I would prefer a phone call, but good. then that would be crazy because no. I'm getting tons and no, no, tons no, no. of emails. Imagine that now email is like, you know, not even thought of. We're old school and proud. <laughs> okay. Va bene. Grazie mille tutti. 
Ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. That just means thank you so much, everyone. We'll speak to you next week on another episode of Puglia. Ciao, ciao. Let's go find a bombette. <laughs> bombette. <laughs> you can't find one. You're going to have to make one. I'm going to find one. <laughs> okay. I'm going to hunt. Okay. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.